Hi all. Before we get into episode three, I do want to say that your girl had some technical difficulties with this episode, so apologies in advance for a few editing mishaps here and there, but I love this book so much, I still wanted to get this episode out for you, so hopefully you still enjoy. everyone to love between the lines a review podcast for everyone who loves love i'm your host monster and each week i discuss all types of love stories from old favorites to new releases for episode number three i'm going to be reviewing can you keep a secret by sophie kinsella this is a book that was released in 2009 but i was inspired to do this review because it was very recently made into a movie on netflix that i watched and it just gave me all the feels. I remembered how much I loved the book and I wanted to do the review. I'll be discussing why the movie did not do the book justice, how to understand openness and honesty in our relationships and why Mr. Perfect might not be Mr. Perfect for you. Let's get to it. I have to kick off by saying I am a huge Sophie Kinsella fan. The first book of her I've read was the Confessions of a Shopaholic series and Can You Keep a Secret is the first standalone book she's done since that series and that is something that was also translated into a film and honestly I think it's really hard to do. It's so hard to translate romance movies to books. There are only a few that comes to my mind that have actually been done well so the notebook is obviously one I also think that the confessions of a shopaholic film adaptation was really good but there are other ones where I've got books that I love they are one of my favorite books and I watch the film and I am bitterly disappointed yes I'm looking at you time traveler's wife and one day because the books were amazing and the films left much to be desired and for this adaptation, it's a no from me. What I think makes it difficult for books and movie adaptations is that so much needs to be taken out in order to fit into the hour and a half or two hours that have been allocated for films. So because so much is removed from the books, you see a lot less of the characters and their journey. And I say this every episode and probably will say it in every future episode, but romance is all about the characters and their journey and how they overcome their conflicts, both external and internal. And in a book, you get to see that from start to finish, the ins and outs, the nuances. And with movies, I just feel like a lot of that gets lost with some of the scenes that are cut. And that's definitely what happened in this book and movie adaptation. But I am happy to be proven wrong. If you know of a book, a movie adaptation that was done really well, then definitely check out the Instagram page at Love Between Lines. There'll be a post that covers this review and post under there and let me know what I should be reading and then watching to disprove my theory. But as I stand now, I'm not a fan. It doesn't work. You know, we need to, we need to let it go. We need to let it go. Let's get into the story. So Can You Keep a Secret centers around our protagonist, Emma, 
and she's a 20-something woman just trying to find her way and make her mark on the world but she feels a bit lost she feels a bit directionless she hasn't really figured out what it is she wants to do in her career so she doesn't feel successful in that sense she feels unfulfilled in her romantic relationships and she feels overshadowed in her own family by her cousin so Emma's really just trying to live her best life but she hasn't figured out what that looks like and what that means so she is given a really big opportunity at work to travel up to Scotland and close a client for her firm and she's she needs the win like she needs something to happen in her life that feels so she can feel she's moving forward and she's making progress so she goes up there things do not go as planned and it doesn't work out the way that she wants it to so on the way back she's not she's not in a good place she's not feeling too good about herself so she starts to uh she starts to to back the the drinks a little bit she starts to have a bit bit of vodka a bit of wine to um I suppose calm her nerves because she doesn't like flying but also because she's just feeling really shit during the flight they hit some turbulence and Emma is scared for her life she thinks she is gonna die it doesn't help that she's probably off her face at this point and she just starts blurting out all her secrets to the passenger who is next to her which is some strange man that she's sitting next to and she tells him everything it all comes out she tells him about how she lost her virginity what her sexual frustrations are in her relationship feeling inadequate with her family lesbian fantasies that she's had about her best friend sis lets it all out from start to finish everything that she's got bottled up everything that she has kept inside and at the end of it she feels quite happy and you know she feels pretty proud of herself that she's got a weight off her shoulder and she rationalizes it by do you know what he's a stranger on a plane I'm never gonna see him again but after she gets home and goes to work on Monday everything's a buzz because the founder of the company who hasn't visited since well before Emma's time is making an impromptu visit and will be popping in and spending time in the office for a few weeks so everyone's like oh my god Jack Harper that's his name is coming in we all need to make a good impression and to Emma's horror Jack Harper turns out to be strange man for the plane who she has just revealed all of her secrets to and that is how our story begins so let's talk characters I really like Emma as a character. I think she's very she's very likable and she's very relatable. As I mentioned, she's at a crossroads in her life and she feels very directionless and purposeless. And I think that that is what makes her relatable because we can all relate to having moments where we just don't know what we're doing and how to move forward. So I think that she comes across as very real and I like that about her. At the minute, she's working in marketing, but she's gone through a number of different careers, tried out a number of different things, none of them quite panned out. So she's really feeling like she needs to get her shit together and she needs to sort herself out. She feels like she's in the shadow of her cousin who came to stay with them when she was 14. And that family dynamic really feeds into her insecurities and that plays into other personal relationships that she has in her life. We hear about this right off the bat, she's talking about her parents and she says 
Maybe they used to be proud of me, but then my cousin Carrie came to live with us and all at once it was like my parents couldn't see me anymore. All they could see was her. So she feels overshadowed, she feels invisible, she feels like the odd one out in her own family and that, as I said, feeds into a lot of her insecurities and why she's very unsure about herself. But what I like about her is there's still a sense of hope and a core sense of self-belief that we see in her character that really shines through. And she wants to have amazing things for herself, even if she doesn't currently believe that she deserves them or doesn't exactly know how she's going to get there. It's still something that she aspires to. This is one of the secrets that she reveals to Jack on the plane. Knight in shining armour is not a realistic option, but there's a part of me that wants a huge, amazing romance. I want passion. I want to be swept off my feet. I want an earthquake or a, I don't know, a huge whirlwind, something exciting. Sometimes I feel as if there's this whole new thrilling life waiting for me out there. And if I can just, and I really liked that. I really liked that even though when we meet Emma, we see that she's really struggling and she's not happy with where she's at. She doesn't want to stay there. She wants to find a way to bring that excitement and passion and purpose to her life. I really like that about her character. What I think is interesting is that you see a lot of Emma's personality and character through her personal relationships outside of Jack. So it's actually her family, her friends, her work colleagues. That's where you get to really understand who Emma is. And of course, the narration is told from her perspective. So we see a lot of her internal thoughts. But you don't really discover Emma through Jack or through the main romantic relationship in this book. And I thought that that was quite interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. It means that we spend less time getting to know the dynamic of Emma and Jack, which I think then is a struggle to root for them. But I really like the relationships that Emma has with secondary characters and how that's portrayed. One thing about Emma that becomes very clear is that she's not an honest person in that she is not true to herself. Spends a lot of time pretending to be who she wants to be rather than who she is. So she has an idea in her head of how she would like to live her life and the kind of personality she would like to have. And then she tries to perform that personality and live up to that. But that means that she is fundamentally unhappy in a lot of situations because she's not being true to herself and she's not being honest about what she enjoys and who is Emma. I think in some ways she doesn't know who Emma is, but that is so prevalent throughout the whole book when we see her internal thoughts, when we see the different situations that she gets in, it really boils down to the fact that Emma's just not honest about who she is. And now let's talk about Jack. Jack Harper, CEO of Emma's company, stranger on a plane and romantic interest in Emma's life. To be honest, we don't see enough of Jack to become invested in him. I mean, he's nice enough, but this is very much Emma's story. So we see a lot of him through her eyes. And obviously she falls in love with him. So that paints him in a positive light. But there's a lot of things that he does that I'm not a huge fan of. And there's just behaviours that he displays, which I'm kind of looking at him sideways. Like, I don't know why you're acting like that. One of them is that obviously they're in a work environment. And he spends a lot of time, you know, hinting at Emma, some of the secrets that she revealed in the book I suppose it's supposed to be portrayed as as if he's just teasing her and just having a bit of a laugh but 
it's still it's very awkward because Emma in general is just a very awkward person and he knows it will embarrass her so sometimes it feels as though he's laughing at her rather than with her which left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth and there's other kind of grand gestures that he does in the book that I normally would be like oh my god that's so sweet that's so thoughtful but in the context of things that we know about Emma and that he knows about Emma it's just it's just not right and I feel like he's not really trying to get to know her because he thinks he already knows her and that really shines through with the way that he navigates their relationship but in all honesty I just don't have strong feelings about Jack we don't see enough of him to become invested and he's kind of just there if you removed Jack from the book and just showed Emma's journey and Emma's personal growth through her relationships with her family and her friends her work colleagues you would still have a really good book <laughs> and I don't think that that is what you were aiming for in a leading man you don't want him to be superfluous to the story so what that means in terms of the relationship and how that progresses, it seems unnecessarily intense. If I look back at the timeline of how things progress, they have a good date that goes bad. They have a bad date that goes good. They have a work event, which they are at. Um, and then it's straight into the central conflict, which is then resolved and conclusion. So we actually don't see them spend a lot of time together. So again, it's hard to see the dynamic of the relationship and see how well it works but we do see them spend time together within a work context but as I mentioned because I'm not really feeling Jack's vibe in the office I don't really count that as like contributing to their great love story so a key theme in this book is obviously honesty and openness in relationships and through Emma's journey we get to see two extremes with Emma's relationship with Connor who she starts the book with and her relationship with Jack who she ends the book with so if we look at Connor and Emma first of all in that relationship she's not honest enough or actually she's not honest at all she really shoots herself in the foot with Connor because she's not honest with who she is as a person and that's why he's not able to make her happy she spends a lot of time pretending to like things that she doesn't like or saying she wants things that she doesn't want and then he goes off and does those things and gets those things and then she just ends up being unhappy because he's trying to be a good boyfriend and make her happy based on what she has expressed her interest to be but that's not really who she is. And we see this really early on in the relationship. So one of the things that she has told him is that she liked jazz. So then he goes and buys her tickets to a jazz concert. She tells him that she's a size eight. So he buys her clothes in that size that she really likes but can't wear because they're too small. And I think with Connor, he's just got the short end of the stick because he's trying to be a nice boyfriend. He's trying to be attentive. He's trying to be a good listener but he's just listening to lies <laughs> and although he wants to make her happy and listen to her wants and needs he can't because she's not being honest with him so Emma has a lot of doubts about Connor and she is often brushing these aside and not really addressing how she truly feels and into my head slides some of the things I said on the plane something about never having been properly in love something about Connor not really understanding me but then that was just drivel, wasn't it? I mean, I thought I was about to die for God's sake. I wasn't exactly my most lucid. So 
we know that she has concerns about Connor. It's actually what she spent a lot of time on the plane talking about a lot of her secrets were literally, I can't stand my boyfriend. But now that she's kind of back in the real the real world and back into her normal life and routine, she's brushing those doubts aside because she wants this relationship to work. She sees this relationship as one of the few positive things that she has going for her. And she's not really willing to jeopardise that by being honest about the fact she's not happy. But we can see for ourselves that their relationship is super awkward and they're not on the same page and a lot of it is quite forced. So one of the scenes is Connor has asked Emma to move in with him and they've decided that they want to take that next step in the relationship. We're going to be living together. It's quite a commitment. And I noticed recently we never seem to use any terms of endearment. So in this scene, Connor is, I suppose, trying to communicate that he doesn't feel like they're very affectionate towards one another and he's coming up with ideas of how they could be. The whole scene is so cringe. Connor is like really awkwardly asking Emma to be affectionate with him and then Emma's being like really weird because she's like, oh, I should be affectionate with him, but it doesn't really come naturally to her. And it's just, it's just a very awkward scene. And one thing Emma talks about, which I think is interesting, is that she's like, it shouldn't be this awkward, things should be easy. So first of all, I don't know how she expects things to be easy when she stays lying 24-7. Like, sis is just always telling this guy what she thinks she wants to hear instead of how she truly feels. So of course your relationship is going to be awkward and hard and forced because you're not being true to yourself. And I think also... What I didn't agree with is she seems to be saying it should be easy in that they should be able to preempt each other's needs. So Connor shouldn't have to ask her to call him darling or refer to him in some kind of endearment. It should just come naturally. And I don't really agree with that. I think that it's not realistic to expect your partner to be a mind reader. If you want something, you should ask for it. If you don't like something, you should say What I think made it awkward is that, again, they're not really on the same page and because Emma doesn't really want to be in the relationship, that is why she's not being very affectionate towards Connor and him noticing that and asking her to be more affectionate and um, use terms of endearment or whatever is what makes it awkward and what makes it hard. So she's kind of placing the blame on him when it's actually her and goes back again to the fact that she's just not being honest and she's actually kind of judgy and really judges um connor's attempts to be a good boyfriend i think connor must have read somewhere that girls like scented candles during sex maybe in cosmo because every time he brings them out he gives me this aren't i considerate look and i have to say oh scented candles how lovely but you don't have to say that you could literally say i'm not a fan of the scented candles babe maybe give it a miss next time or just whatever the case may be but you're not being honest so he keeps doing things he thinks you like because you told him that you like them and now you're judging him for getting it wrong so Connor's really trying hard to be a good boyfriend just not making the grades because Emma's not even giving him the right test to be honest and I actually feel really bad for Connor because his experiences with Emma leaves him with some serious trust issues which I hope he resolves but at the end of the day their relationship was not working and would not have worked because there was a lack of honesty and openness in there so that might lead you to say honesty is the best policy 
But then Jack comes along, who we already know that Emma was very honest with, very open with, maybe too honest. And you start to question if the other extreme is any better because we see the pitfalls of this on their first date. And to be honest, it starts off really well, seems nice, she gets dressed up, she's ready to have a good time, he takes her to a fancy restaurant. For all intents and purposes, this should be a great date. But right off the bat, he doesn't let her make her own choices. So the drinks menu comes and the waiter's asking her what she wants to drink. Already taken care of, says Jack with a smile, as one of the waiters brings over a bottle of champagne, pops it open and starts pouring. I remember you telling me on the plane your perfect date would start off with a bottle of champagne appearing at your table as if by magic. Oh, I say, quelling a tiny feeling of disappointment. Uh, yes, so I did. So this really sets the tone of the date and the evening. He takes over everything. He is similar to Connor in that he has listened to what she has said and he's trying to respond to that. But it's the opposite of Connor because Connor was working on false information and Jack has all the deets because Emma already told him everything about herself. But it just makes for a very awkward and weird date. There's another moment where she is about to tell him a story. The first time I ever had champagne was when I was six years old, I begin. At your Aunt Sue's, says Jack with a smile. You took all your clothes off and threw them in a pond. Oh, right, I say, halted mid-track. Yes, I've told you, haven't I? So I won't bore him with that anecdote again. I sip my champagne and quickly try to think of something else to say, something that he doesn't already know. Is there anything? So she doesn't feel like she can tell him any of her funny stories. She doesn't feel like she can... She doesn't really know how to make conversation because everything she would have said or could have said, she's already said it. This situation actually reminds me of an episode on how I met your mother. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but the mother is dying and she says to Ted, wow, you know all my stories. To which Ted replies, and you know every one of mine. I guess it's official. We're an old married couple. So for them, that's super cute because they've been married for X amount of years and it's of course they know everything about each other but on a first date for you to be out of stories like that's rough what is she going to talk about what is she going to say it creates such a weird dynamic and Emma is just left feeling really awkward and not really knowing how to approach the situation because yeah everything she tries to tell him he he already knows so is this a warning sign about being too open with your partner or being too open with your partner early on and I would say yes but just with some caveats. I think a lot of the blame can be placed on Jack because yes, he knows a bunch of stuff about Emma. Yes, she told him all her secrets, but he's not allowing for the fact that people change. He has this static image in his mind of who Emma is based on what she's told him. And he doesn't consider the fact that she is a human being who grows and changes and shifts over time. And, he does, and therefore he doesn't respond to that. So because he thinks he knows her, he doesn't then take the time to or put in any effort to actually find out who Emma is rather than who he thinks she is based on what she's told him. He also uses what she has told him to control the situation to the point where he tries to tell her what she wants and doesn't listen to her when she tells him different. He literally thinks he knows her better than she knows herself. And I know people say that in like movies and songs and books and stuff where it's like 
I know you better than you know yourself. But it comes across mad annoying because when she's trying to tell you she doesn't like something, you're like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. But listen to what she's saying and actually get to know her because now she feels controlled and patronised. Emma, I know you. You want it really. He's talking about dessert in the scene as an FYI. You don't know me. I cry angrily before I can stop myself. Jack, you may know a few random facts about me. That doesn't mean you know me. So the lesson to take from here or that Jack needs to take from here is that people grow, people change and we need to account for that in our relationships. Who you are today is not who you were a year ago or who you might be six months from now. So if the person that you're with doesn't allow for that and doesn't respond to that in the context of your relationship, then that's when you're going to start to see these frictions and start to see this awkwardness and this weird dynamic that they've got going on. I also want to talk about the difference between Connor in the book and Connor in the movie because the book definitely positions him as a viable alternative to Jack Harper who is the main love interest. There is no doubt about it, Connor is good looking by any standards. He glows with good health. His hair is shiny and his eyes are blue and he's got gorgeous dimples when he smiles. Jack Harper on the other hand looks kind of weary and dishevelled. He's got shadows under his eyes and his hair is all over the place and there's a hole in his jeans. So in the book, Connor is positioned and put forward as the perfect boyfriend and this is something that Emma says a lot, this is something her family says a lot, her friends say a lot. We are left in no doubt that Connor is a catch. So even though Emma is not happy, there's a lot of external pressure from other people's opinions but also internal fears that prevent her from taking action and ending things and this external pressure I think in some ways also gives her validation because as as we've spoken about she doesn't really have a lot going on in her life and she's not really happy with where she's at and this relationship is something that she can be proud of so when she agrees to move in with him it's again just her going through the motions of this relationship because she knows it's something that is looked upon as something she's doing well. I feel as though overnight I've turned into a grown-up. I'm moving in with my boyfriend. Finally my life is going the way it should. So she's not even fussed about moving in with Connor specifically. It's just the fact of being able to say I'm moving in with my boyfriend or I live with my boyfriend that makes her feel like she's taking a step forward and making progress in her life. When they break up you really start to see how invested everyone was in their relationship. When she goes into work, everyone is shocked and can't believe that they called an end to it. Katie, we broke up, that's all. People break up all the time. But you and Connor weren't just people, you were the couple. I mean, if you can't make it, why should any of the rest of us bother even trying? It seems such a shame, Nancy eyes me inquisitively. You two seem so perfect. And then later on, she's talking to her friend Katie, who is about to have a full-on panic attack about this. Katie needs to relax, first of all. Like, she needs to chill out. She should not be that invested in someone else's relationship. But I think it's such an important point around you never know what is going on in other people's relationship. On the outside, to everyone else, they could seem like it's perfect. They're having the time of their lives. They're made for each other. But as we can see with Connor and Emma... Emma is deeply unhappy with Connor 
but she's pretending that she is and everyone thinks that she is even to the point where they're like in Katie's case they're like jealous of her relationship and they're like I want that for myself but you don't know what you're asking for because your girl is not happy and what was interesting and what I couldn't figure out with Emma's character is whether we're supposed to see this external influence as being an additional pressure or whether it's validation or maybe it's a bit of both because as I said she didn't really want to break up with him because she felt as though this was the one good thing that was happening but we know that Emma cares a lot about what other people think of her so she probably felt validated and other people being able to say that she was in a great couple or had the perfect couple and having like positive things to say so a lot of people comment on their breakup and you see from there the kind of conversations she would have had with people around her relationship and how great it was I think it's really important that Connor be seen as this amazing, perfect boyfriend because it means that their breakup actually has significance to Emma's growth as a character. One of the things she admits to her roommate later about why they broke up, we can see that play out. It's just, you seem such a great couple. I know we did. I know we looked great on the outside. I paused trying to explain. But the truth is, I never felt I was being myself. It was always a bit like we were acting, you know, it didn't seem real somehow. So that really kind of captures the progress and growth that Emma is making. Connor represents for her a lot of things that she doesn't have in her life. He is stability, he's security, he's approval, he's a lot of things that she is searching for and doesn't really have. So she really saw him as a symbol of all of that in her life but she's able to recognise that it's not real and it's not genuine and breaking up with him, although it's hard to do, is what she needs to do in order to move forward and grow as a character. So that is why I found it so interesting that Connor in the movie is so different to Connor in the book. Connor in the movie is comically bad to the point where you really question why Emma is even dating him in the first place. He's actually a ridiculous character and I think... I get it it's like you also want to have it in there for comic effect because it is a rom-com but it just really removes that whole aspect of Emma's growth and her character arc and when they break up it's not so much oh wow Emma's really made progress because she's broken up with the perfect guy because he wasn't perfect for her and it just becomes like a minor inconvenience that she has to deal with before moving on to dating Jack so it's really clear that in the movie, Jack is supposed to be the better option because, as I said, Connor's character is just a bag of mess. And Jack's character is this, like, portrayed as this really attractive, cool guy. And I think that they've done it like that so that the choice is really easy. So it's very clear that Emma will break up with Connor in order to be with Jack. But that's not the point. The point is that the choice is not supposed to be easy and Emma realising that Connor is not right for her is really significant and really important. So that is one, actually, sorry, that is one of many <laughs> ways I feel as though the book showed situations much better than the movie. Overall, I gave this book a four stars. I really liked it. I I think Emma's character arc is fantastic. If we look at where she starts off in the book and where she ends up, all I see is growth. I love it. 
I'm here for it. I'm glad she was able to overcome all of her issues. The romance side of it was very meh for me. Jack could not have been in the book and I would have enjoyed it just the same. Or she could have not ended up with Jack and I also would have been fine with that. His presence and their relationship has absolutely no bearing on how I feel about this book. The star relationship for me was actually Emma's relationship with her family. There is legit a scene in this book that has me crying. Sometimes I just reread it because it's such a good scene. I'm just like, oh my God, all up in my feelings. And that doesn't happen between Emma and Jack. It happens between Emma and her parents when they start to resolve some of the issues that Emma has had that's feeding into her insecurities. And I just love it so much. It's so feel good. It's so wholesome. I just think it's so lovely. We not only see a lot of Emma through the secondary characters, but we also see a lot of her growth through the secondary characters. Lissy, who is Emma's best friend and roommate, is, I suppose, supposed to be the voice of reason. She's the one that points out some of the concerns about Jack that leads to the major conflict in the book that ultimately gets resolved. But she also plays the role of pointing out Emma's hypocrisy and how she can be quite judgmental because there are a few things that Lissy keeping to herself and not telling Emma about. And Emma's like, why would she want to keep secrets from me? I'm her best friend when Emma stays keeping secrets from everyone. So I really liked how her character kind of shows the lack of self-awareness Emma has. The other character is Emma's second roommate, Jemima. And what is so crazy is that Jemima's character actually reminds me of a really good friend of mine with how she approaches relationships she talks about them in very tactical terms as if she's going to war as if it's a game of wills and she has all of these games that she tries to play to try and win and it was really awkward because the character in the book although she says all these things and is portrayed as being quite cynical and a bit silly is still very likable and still very funny but in the film this was completely exaggerated and her character is just <laughs> It's just too much. So I watched it with that same friend and I was like, oh yeah, there's a character in this that really reminds me of you. And within the first three minutes, I had to take it back because they took all of those attributes and just exaggerated them and made it extreme. So she didn't end up being a very likable character in the movie, although she was still quite funny. But I really like Jemima's character and I think she also serves a purpose in exposing Emma's hypocrisy because... Emma judges Jemima for not being honest in her relationships and she tells her, you know, if you think everything is a game, if you try and just tell men what they want to hear, that's not going to make you happy. But again, <laughs> that is all you see Emma doing in the beginning is telling Connor what she thinks that he wants to hear and not being honest and not being herself. So even though she's not being as upfront with it as Jemima is, she's kind of playing the same game. But I, re I really like the secondary characters I really liked the moments that we saw with Emma and her family and the journey that they go on, as I mentioned, shed a few tears at the conclusion of that. So this really like this book. It's a very feel-good book. It's a big payoff at the end with regards to the main character and the journey that she goes on. So it was a four star for me. The movie, on the other hand, <sighs> I gave that a 2.5. I <laughs> didn't like it. We know that Emma's character is supposed to be quite insecure, which I think is fine because that is how she grows. But in the movie, her 
insecurities are a much more prominent part of her character and not in a good way so whereas in the book she comes across as quite endearing and you feel like oh I want you to kind of build your confidence and build your self-esteem and overcome your issues in the movie I'm just like yeah you're just so annoying I didn't really like her and in the book she's like really funny and quirky and interesting and because we see her thought processes and her internal mind we see that aspect of her personality but again in the movie it's just all of that's completely stripped out all of that's gone the main focus in the film is her romantic relationship with Jack I don't think it did the story any favours so I gave the movie a 2.5 stars I feel like if you haven't read the book and you just want feel good easy to watch rom-com then you might like it but if you have read the book which everyone should then I feel like it's going to leave you as I said disappointed and a bit underwhelmed So this is definitely being added to the list of my very long list of Sophie Kinsella books that I'm a huge fan of. One thing I will say that I didn't quite like or didn't come off very well is, you know, in the third act of a rom-com or a love story and you have that moment where the character is explaining why they're in love and they're like, I love the way you tie your laces in the morning or the way you wink at people is whatever. But obviously in this book it doesn't really work because the whole point of that scene is you're able to see how much those characters are in love because they're noticing these small parts about each other and they're really paying attention to the detail of the other person's life. And it doesn't really work in this book because we start off knowing that Jack knows everything about Emma. So when that scene came up I was just a bit like mm, not really <laughs> not really doing it for me to be honest. But it's honestly such a lovely book such good characters, such good writing and Sophie Kinsella always comes up with this, these very creative plot lines of how the characters get together and how they progress. So definitely recommend everyone checking that out. And that is the end of the third episode of Love Between the Lines. Let me know your thoughts. Have you read the book? Have you seen the movie? Am I being too harsh with that 2.5 or can you think of books where the movie adaptation has actually done the story justice? Please let me know. I want to have my mind changed. Go onto the Instagram page at lovebetweenlines and let me know your thoughts. Until next time.